Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All right. Happiness is a choice. In the immortal words of Judy Brown, happiness is a choice. And we're happy uh, that you're spending some time with us on the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel and app. I am Chip Brown, longtime Longhorns insider at Horns247.com, joined by the one and only Zay. 10 and 5, Collier. <laughs> What's cracking, Chip? How you doing, man? Say what's up, my man. Feeling good, baby. Day four, episode four. It's Thursday. Just a couple more days away till some college football. I'm starting to fill it in my bones. It's a beautiful time of the year, my friend. It is a beautiful time of the year, my friend. And uh, Jay Ward says, what's up, fellas? What's up, Jay Ward? What's up? Listen, we uh, we've got uh, we got some stuff to get to because um, our man uh, our man Brett Yormark, this guy is like that. that that's your boy, Chip. That ain't my boy. Not I know my you probably boy. talked to him. <laughs> that, that ain't my dude. He used to hang with Jay Z. I don't know. Yeah, I'm like this little guy. This pipsqueak used to hang with Jay Z. Rock Nation. That- that might be the problem. He might got a little hip-hop in him. I mean, you're a big Ice Cube fan. No Vaseline, one of the greatest diss tracks of all time. No so Vaseline. he took a shot at the Texas Longhorns yesterday at that whatever the hell Lubbock event he was at. And, yeah, I could see why some Longhorn fans are a little uh, ticked off this Thursday afternoon. Well, your mark tried to go no Vaseline on Texas <laughs> – um, let me see if I can find this little nugget from uh, from Brett Yormark. Here it is. You ready? You ready? Let's get it. In addition, candidly, we were able to get Texas and Oklahoma out a year early. That was a big deal for us, and I think all of you. Okay. And coach, I'm not going to put any pressure on you, but I'm going to be in Austin for Thanksgiving. Okay, and you better take care of business like you did right here in Lubbock last year. Oh Lord, there he is, <laughs> Brett Yormark. He's like that uh, purse dog that just keeps yapping. Um, this is so. This is just. This is. I mean, I've I've texted sources left and right, and they came back and said. Really, this is the kind of impression you want to make as a conference commissioner where you're you're picking sides and you're you're raising questions in the in the minds of fans about whether or not everything from Big 12 officiating to TV times are going to be uh, called into question. Um, I mean, already the 230 kickoff for Rice. That will not happen when Texas is in the SEC, Zay. ESPN will not do that to Texas. The SEC won't do that to Texas. If Texas wants night games, 
in September and early September. They're going to get night games um, because of the heat and all that. And Fox, they don't care. Fox is Fox got they got the Michigan game um, in Ann Arbor next year flipped from that game being in Austin so that they can get some of their uh, get their money back for the loss that they're going to suffer for Texas and Oklahoma leaving the conference a year early. So, you know, this is, this is just low rent, man. This is like pre fight hype stuff. I, I get it. But for a conference commissioner, I mean, did he just endear himself to all the remaining members or did he look like a, like a clown and that's the question, you know, a business side part of me says, uh, that's not too shabby, but the burn orange in me says, nah, bro, that's very shisty and very sketchy, which if you're a Texas fan, you've seen some very sketchy things throughout the years from the black and whites. I mean, the zebras haven't always been on your side and you could go back with Brett Yormark and the basketball team, this 2023 basketball team led by Rodney Terry when they beat Kansas in the Big 12 championship in Kansas City. Brett Yormark, there's a picture of him looking super salty when the guys are celebrating with their Big 12 tournament championship. So, yeah, it's very classic. It's very unprofessional. And it does seem like he, you know, it has a little bit of that Jay-Z in him. Like, oh, I'm taking shots at people. It's cool. Like, it's the new wave. And in hip-hop, yeah, it's cool. As long as everybody stays safe and whatnot, you don't want to have no Biggie Tupac situations. But as the commissioner of the Big 12, it's pretty classless. And I could understand that, you know, you're salty that Texas and Oklahoma are leaving because all the paper that they brought in and just the SEC in a way hurts the Big 12. But look, dog, it's, we got one more year left. And if there's anything sketchy this year, everybody's going to go back to those comments that were said August 23rd. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like I get playing to your playing to your audience. It's one thing if you're talking to the entire Big 12 and maybe you're taking a shot at another conference, but taking a shot at a member while they're still in the conference, that is some that is some low brow stuff. And uh, th here's the thing. Guys like Jim Delaney, the longtime Big Ten commissioner, um, John Swafford, longtime ACC commissioner, Sankey, um, you know, those guys, Bob Bullsby, you know, at least they were, I don't want to say presidential, but presidential. If you're presiding over an entire conference. And remember, Brett Yormark deals with the school presidents. Like that's his board of directors. Those are the guys that he talks to the most are the presidents of the universities in the big 12. And I'll just tell you that I got, uh, this is a text from um, a high ranking UT official yeah, pull out that black book, Chip, that very famous black book that everybody's told me about that you got. Pull oh, yeah. it out for us. And this is, is this was the response. Classless. 
And all the while, Texas Tech is begging us in private to keep playing them. Ooh. And let me tell you, folks, that ain't going to happen. That ain't going to happen. No. no. All no. the talk about look- Texas Tech saying, oh, and we're, we've agreed for 25 years. We're going to play each other. And not. No. No. I don't know where they thought they got that, but there's no one on the Texas side who's like, Oh yeah, we're gonna play them in the non-conference for the next twenty-five. Years. No, in fact, yeah, I'm that... I'm I'm getting the vibe that if Texas never has to go to Lubbock again, it it will be the best thing ever. Now, yeah, I'm not saying anything. I I think Texas Tech is great. They got great history. Mike Leach, Cliff Kingsbury. Love me some Cliff Kingsbury. This is nothing against Texas Tech. This is about. It's about Brett Yormark stirring up the the Texas Techites, you know? Yeah, definitely. And if you're Steve Sarkeesian, bulletin board material. Yeah. Very simple. Like once that right after you eat that turkey that Thursday night, the next day, hell, the whole week, you'll be playing that Brett Yormark speech throughout all those very expensive speakers that you have there at the practice facility. Like that speech will be on repeat. Well, to be honest, you can use it for the whole season because that's how he feels about everybody, not just tech, even though he was feeding to that crowd and feeding to that atmosphere. He means that for everyone. And yeah, I'm (laughs) that source that you have in there that that said all that classless stuff. That's absolutely right. And I'm shocked. Well, not really shocked, but the fact that they're trying to still play Texas, still have that relationship. uh, Nah, going to the SEC, you already got Michigan and Ohio State coming up like that's enough. Like, this is the SEC. They're known for one of the weaker non-conference schedules in the nation because that conference schedule is just so such a gauntlet. So you're going to be a part of that and then some with Ohio State and Michigan these upcoming years. No need to mess with Tech. People say Tech's the little brother. I don't even say that. I think A&M's the little brother, which, you know, just little brother, obviously. Tech's the cousin. Text the cousin that you only see during the family reunions, and when you see them, they're annoying as hell. You want to get away from them. You can't wait till it's over. Like, that's what tech is. They're that annoying-ass little cousin, and I'm with you. If we don't go back to Lubbock ever again, so be it. It is what it is. Yeah, I mean, Brett Yormark, and I'll give him credit for getting the the Big 12 media rights deal done ahead of the Pac-12, and then dangling that 31.7 million out there for Arizona, Arizona state. Great. Okay. Great. Way to go. Brett, your mark. You have dismantled the pack 12, but I wrote a story, uh, part of the insider at horns 24 seven talking to industry sources who said, okay, you've now added Colorado, Utah, Arizona, Arizona state on top of the Cincinnati, Houston, BYU Central Florida ads. And so you're going to be at 16 going forward. And the money is not going to be there in, in 2030 when they have to redo their rights agreement. There, there's a strong belief that industry, that the TV money is all going to be concentrated on the Big Ten in 2030 
when their rights deal comes up because they just added Oregon and Washington. Like they've become more attractive. And the Big 12 is seen as, oh, well, you're the way station for the wayward Pac-12 members. (laughs) You're the halfway house for the Pac-12 members that no one really wanted because they haven't performed outside of maybe Arizona in basketball for the last decade. I mean, Utah, Utah, Kyle Whittingham, respect, but it's not like Utah is a brand that, you know, brings in the Florida audience. They're not going to just drop everything to watch Utah play Iowa state. And so it's a big celebration time right now. It's like, yay, we, we, we vanquished the Pac-12. Well, the Pac-12 vanquished the Pac-12 on its own. And you're running around like doing a touchdown dance that you, you know, sank the, the Pac-12's battleship. Well, you better make sure that you've got the value you want and you think you're going to command in 2030 when the Big Ten uh, gets everybody's, you know, all of their attention and most all the money. Right. Because you've got the Big yeah. Ten, the SEC. They're going to command top dollar. Big 12, uh, let's see. Let's see what you got. Let's see. You got any You got any of these uh, folks at the halfway house, the way station who can rise up? I mean, TCU did it last year. Anyone else? I mean, your marks, he's an interesting cat. It, you don't, you don't want to be prancing around you know, doing touchdown dances when uh, you, you just need to be even keel, man. The commissioner needs to be the one doing stuff behind the scenes, not not bringing negative headlines to the conference. Like the, all the other conferences are laughing at this. They're like, oh, my God, the Big 12 commissioner just took a shot at one of the founding members in a year where they're still in the conference. How embarrassing is that? Now, maybe he thought that no one was – running their phone on this little get together in, uh, in Lubbock, but good heavens, uh, your Mark, you better, uh, you better have all your stuff together, baby. And when he comes to Austin for Thanksgiving, ain't nobody inviting him to Turkey. He better be careful. He, he better be careful because there's going to be some salty Longhorn fans that, man, they probably can't wait to get a piece of him. And I, Who's sweet is I he going to be sitting in? I, I wouldn't be surprised if he backed out and didn't show up. He said it now, but, you know, after everything that came out from this, I don't expect him to show up. And you know what, Chip? What's sad is I get it. You're hurt. Like, I, I, I get it. It hurts that two of your top dogs are now leaving to the SEC and so much is happening in all of college sports, not just football, but so much is happening. There's so much change. And you're trying to show your guys, the remaining you know schools in the Big 12, that you got their back. But in that way, you look ignorant. You know, you look flat out, not even ignorant, Chef. He's a hip-hop guy. He looked flat out ignorant. <laughs> I got to say, I got to say it wrong. He looked flat out ignorant. And it reminded me a lot of what Sean Payton did for the Broncos. He just got there. And then instead of just backing up Russell Wilson, 
he decided to bash Nathaniel Hackett in the process. He decided to go all in on Nathaniel Hackett and what happened last year to all the problems that happened in Denver when he wasn't there. And it's like, bro, all you could just support Russell Wilson. That's it. You don't have to bash nobody and be classy. And both of those guys, your Mark and Sean Payton, both of those guys, they've been very sketchy. They just with their, you know, the way they talk and the things they're saying, you just don't do that in the position that they're in your mark, the position that you're in. I don't care if you're in Lubbock or not. What I don't know what they put in that tortilla chip. Did they give him a tortilla? They must have put some in that got him all crazy and talking wild because there's some magic that's just mushrooms a in that uh, tortilla. <laughs> I don't know. That's yeah, uh, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I uh, I love it. Bring the tortillas. Uh, Daryl says, bring the tortillas. Um, cause that is, uh, that's going to be the last time I think that you see, uh, Texas and Texas tech play anytime soon. And listen, I, I think Joey McGuire is good for the league. I think Joey McGuire is good for Texas tech. He beat Texas and OU in the same year in his first year as the head coach. That's, that's, that's great for the fan base at tech. You can raise money off of that and and Joey McGuire's doing it and he's recruiting the heck out of Micah Hudson the receiver from you know Central Texas and um and he's he's a grinder he was a very successful high school coach at Cedar Hill I love I love Joey McGuire I've known him before he ever got the the Texas Tech job before he got the job at Baylor um and so this is another this is another thing is that your Mark's comments have collateral damage because now Texas tech is in this by association. And, and then all the other members of the conference are going, well, what's he going to say about us? Like if we're, (laughs) if we're low stepping or low performing, is he going to like pick sides in this conference? But I get it. Your Mark's feeling good about himself. So he's kind of beating his chest, but man, that's a dangerous game in that position. Um, you know, yeah, we're, I mean, the comments are coming in they're flying. It's like, uh, Gilbert Martinez says, your Mark sounds like Vince McMahon. And he does a little bit, you know, he's, he kind of had that center of the ring and I'm going to be in Austin for Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> and you better take care of business just like you did here last year. Mm. Mm. It does. It's, it's, it sounds like a fight promotion. It's all. And, and you know, those returning guys, they're still pissed on how that game went in Lubbock last year. Cause that definitely changed the season. When you have, you know, your first round pick top 10 pick B. John Robinson, when he fumbles like that, that was just so deflating and you can't just blame Bijan. I mean, there were a lot of other things that went wrong in that game, but yeah, yeah that was when Joey more material. That was when Joey unleashed the fourth down, you know, express. He went for it six of, you know, eight times he went for it. He converted six fourth downs and some of them were like, fourth and five and you're going yeah oh wow and that was donovan smith remember donovan smith i don't know what it is about tech quarterbacks who you've never heard of who rise up and (laughs) play amazing jet duffy remember jet duffy 
it took Sam Ellinger throwing a pass to little Jordan Humphrey and LJ Moss and some guy late to pull off that win in Lubbock. Um, and then the overtime game where they came back from 15 down in the final three minutes. I mean, crazy stuff has happened between Texas and Texas tech. Heck, I remember Cliff Kingsbury bringing a Texas tech team uh, to town and, and winning against Sam when Texas had a 10 point lead in the third quarter and ended up losing. And they, Tom Herman wouldn't run behind Connor Williams because Connor Williams was like, you know, leaving for the NFL, just weird, stupid stuff. Sometimes even causing Texas coaches to do weird, stupid stuff. But um, yeah, as if we needed anything more to pile on to that Texas, Texas tech game, which the conference puts those games at the end of the year when they think they're going to be meaningful. They put teams against each other late when they think it's going to have a, an impact on the conference race. So, and, and I can see it. I can see that. We'll, we'll see how it plays out, but Texas tech, they went eight and five, two last year's Zay. I mean, and they beat Texas right. and OU and they, they beat Ole Miss in the bowl game. They're feeling all good about themselves. And Brett Yormark just uh, put some bulletin board material on their back. Yeah, and I'll take it. Hey, anything you need to get motivated to play such a grueling game of football, use that. And again, if I'm Steve Sarkeesian, I'm playing that the whole entire season. I'm letting the guys know, hey, even the commissioner's against us. <laughs> like, you know, he, he just flat out said that he wants Texas Tech to beat us and he probably wants every other team to beat us. So, yeah, you got to have that mindset, kill or be killed. And I like what Jay Ward's saying. you got to be Stone Cold. Like, I remember that attitude area, uh, era in the WWF. Stone Cold used to make Vince McMahon's life a living hell. He didn't follow by the rules. He just did what he wanted, hitting them in the emergency room and stuff, spraying beer on them with the beer truck. Like, just legendary stuff. Very disrespectful. And I know a lot of Horn fans are probably scared that – the refs are going to have a lot to do <laughs> with these games. But, hey, if you take care of business and just blow teams out to where the refs can't even, you know, be a part of the game, then don't, don't even worry about it. You don't even got to worry about it. Just go and do your job. And I think with the leadership on this team and the roster that they have, they could get it done to where things like this, they shouldn't be a factor. Yeah, our man Tom McKay, Audiovisual Consultations, just texted in. None of these administrators or chairmen will be in place in 2030. <laughs> they are long gone every five years. Well, Chris Del Conte just got a contract extension and raised through 2030. Texas better hope that he's still here when that happens. But yeah, it's possible. Look at Kevin Warren. Kevin Warren takes over the as commissioner of the Big Ten, brings USC and UCLA in, and then is like, oh, I'm going to go work for the Chicago Bears. <laughs> Like yeah, you just, just like that. You just oversaw this seismic shift in the history of college athletics, and now you're out. Like, I get it. And these conference commissioner jobs are what are holding us back from getting to a college football commissioner. Because these these conference commissioners are the they're the they have all the 
you know, say with their conference, they have to disappear for a college football commissioner to come in and preside over all of the conferences. And that's why this system that we've set up is so broken because, well, we can't get rid of our conference commissioner. He looks out for us and does our media rights. Okay. Well, we got to find someone that everyone trusts. I, I, I recommended Reed Ryan when I proposed that, Power Five come together and collectively bargain back in 2015. I said, hire a guy like Reed Ryan, who's, you know, gets along with everybody, understands streaming, BAM technology, Major League Baseball. They're way ahead of everyone else in the in the streaming world. And you got to have someone that every conference would believe in and trust that he would have the best interests of everyone. And finding that person's going to be hard. Everyone's like, oh, Greg Sankey. Well, the Big Ten's not going to want Greg Sankey because college football is built on passion and rivalry. And we are going to get you. And are you trying to steal our playbook? And, you know, just all the anxiety and fire that comes with rivalries and in the passion of, of college sports. And that's why it's going to be so hard to find that person who all the conferences trust to represent their financial interests in media rights negotiations. But, you know, the NFL owners have uh, Roger Goodell college football needs that guy. And yeah, I don't know who it is. I don't know who it is. It's not yeah, who wants that. Who wants that responsibility? Right. The way all these conferences act and the way that all these schools act. And I know the SEC feels way more entitled, <laughs> you know, than a lot of other conferences in the Big Ten. They probably feel the exact same way. That's why both of those guys have been plucking some pretty big schools with the Big Ten plucking USC and UCLA and then the SEC plucking Texas and Oklahoma. Like, it's – I don't know who would want that responsibility. That sounds like a lot of gray hairs really fast. If someone was the commissioner of you know college football, but hey, that, you might be right, Chef. We might need that because the way that it's going, it's all over the place. Well, a couple more comments here. Corey says, "I hope we go for every fourth down this year against uh, Texas Tech." Jonathan says, "Embrace the hate and just dominate." That's been the motto. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian mentioned that. Embrace the hate, and Quinn Ewers has said. It's like John Wick. Everybody's always gunning for him, but he always survives and he's taking down people along the way. Now, Zay, what do you make of the, the John Wick analogy for Texas football this year? I love it. I love it. You got to look at Brett Yormark like he killed your puppy. That's how you got to look at it. That's what turned John Wick completely off the rocker because that was his woman's puppy. And I want to say his woman got massacred too. But yeah, man, you got to have that. Oh, I got revenge on everybody. I'm not going to stop until everybody that's in my way is done for. That's the mentality that you need. And I've heard multiple players, not just Quinn Ewers, make that John Wick comparison. And I love it. You know, it's crazy because Keanu Reeves, yeah, he's had Matrix and, you know, one of my favorite movies, Hardball and Speed. Like, he's done some good stuff. 
But the way that, you know, he's really shown his range are these John Wick movies. And you kind of see all these older actors that became really popular in the late 80s and 90s. They're just doing the same movies over and over again. Like Denzel's on his third equalizer. Tom Cruise is about eight you know, Mission Impossible's in, and now, you know, Keanu Reeves found his niche with John Wick. So it's it's crazy to see how all these big-time actors have kind of just stayed with one niche. But you know, as far as this Longhorn football team, yeah, you need that fire You because there was just so much that happened last year that was a roller coaster, and you want that consistency, and you need that consistency, and you have to have that consistency because that's the expectations here. And Sark in year three – Anything other than the Big 12 championship, hey, that that just that's uncalled for, man. Absolutely uncalled for. But hey, if I'm a Texas fan, I'm a little bit worried just because of what your mark said. Is he paying these refs under the table? A little extra, extra. I've been seeing that. Uh, remember the Titans clip? Speaking of Denzel going around of, you remember that? Remember the Titans game where it was yeah. fixed and you know the one coach, defensive coordinator coach, went up to the refs and said, hey, man, look, I don't care about the Hall of Fame. Y'all better get it together because this is some BS here. And I don't know if we're going to have no moments or any moments like that. Maybe Bo Davis could say something to a ref. That's who I would want on this coaching staff saying something to a ref. Like, Bo Davis says something to you. Oh, you're going to listen and change the way you do some things. But, yeah, your Mark's comments out of line and use that as motivation. Yeah. Yeah, and this one, uh, this one comes in saying it'll be, it'll just be more embarrassing if we don't win. Okay, yeah, and then we've also got uh, we've also got um, you know the uh, the fact that um, well, we're, Texas getting criticized here. It looks like by uh, uh, above average noob Texas fans aren't doing anything to dispel the soft label they've been wearing. And that, that's, <laughs> hey, that's got to leave no doubt. Like my man, Sean Adams used to say, leave no doubt, just handle business. Um, Jay Ward says, we just need to outscore the refs. Yeah. How was there a game last year where Texas had 14 penalties and the opponent had zero? What are we doing? Was that, Stillwater, what are we that really doing? Happen? That really happened? Yeah. With the Quinn Ewers, 30 incompletions. Like, add both of those together, you ain't winning that football game, man. Ain't on, no man. way. Can me? Ain't no way. Yeah. No way. No way. All right, Zay, I've got uh, – we'll, uh, we'll talk a little Texas. We've got all kinds of things to get into here. We've got um, – and get over to horns247.com because we've, we've got – I've. I put out the insider, which I will talk about a little bit later in the show in the uh, chip shot at two fifteen. my man, Jalen Catalan. We've also got the, um, our final projected depth chart before Steve Sarkeesian releases that uh, next week. Um, but we are, uh, we're going to talk about the Texas running game, specifically Jonathan Brooks is the lead back say i am hearing jonathan brooks will be the 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 one in the one two punch uh with cj baxter the freshman and keelan robinson as the change of pace scat back and you know steve sarkeesian has said 
and and he's a little loose with this when he says, "I've always had a thousand yard rusher as a as a play caller in in college, and it not always, but a lot, a lot." And he's he's on a roll certainly from his time at Alabama, and then to Bijan Robinson here at Texas. But I said I don't think Steve Sarkeesian brings that up unless he's confident he's got a guy on the roster right now for the 2023 season um, who can rush for a thousand yards. And so I think that is Jonathan Brooks. I like Jonathan Brooks. I think the kid, he's a, first of all, he's a glider. Like he just, man, he gets through, he sets up runs and gets through creases and he's, he's got great vision. He can cut in space a little bit like, Jamal Charles, I don't want to get crazy here, but, um, you know, Jamal Charles just made it look effortless. And and Jonathan Brooks kind of has that same thing. Now, we'll see. I get it. It's a different thing to come in and get spot duty than it is to be the guy out there having to do it all. But I think Jonathan Brooks is hungry for this opportunity, and I like him to go over a thousand yards. Zay Collier, what say you? Yeah, it's very difficult to replace a Dope Walker Award winner as somebody like Hodges Mitchell, who had to replace Ricky Williams back in that later part of the 90s. And Jonathan Brooks coming off that hernia injury, he seems like the one that could be the bell cow running back. If you're looking at the five running backs that are on this roster, I think Keelan Robinson, he's good at everything. He's not great at one particular thing, but when it comes to special teams and returning kicks and then, you know, getting in there on offense on specific plays, Keelan Robinson, you know, he's going to be available. And I do expect his usage to go up as a running back this year compared to last year and the year before, obviously with Rojo and Bijan there. But yeah, I, I think that Jonathan Brooks can be the guy to go over a thousand because this wide receiver room, including the tight end JT Sanders with it being so deep, you know, that there's going to be a lot of focus on the receivers and what they could do in the air. So I don't think there will be eight in the box, all those, you know, guys coming up to the line, like you saw last year, because number five was there now number seven for the Atlanta Falcons. And, you know, you don't have those issues anymore. So I don't know if Sark is going to be comfortable rotating guys, but I think they have enough guys. Like I haven't heard much of Jaden blue lately, but I still think that if something were to happen, he could come in and be productive. I think the freshman Cedric Baxter jr. I think he is going to, it might take him a little bit, but once he figures out, okay, I could get used to this college game. I'm, I belong here. My confidence is here. Then he's going to be able to tote that rock too. But yeah, Jonathan Brooks, ever since the Alamo Bowl game, which we didn't see much of him, but he still had that one touchdown. We, uh, again, the hernia injury, I'm going to be watching that a little bit, but he's always had the upper hand on the rest of the guys, it seems like. And again, I just think that when you have those two guys that you had last year token that rock, it puts a big question mark, which it should on this running back room. But I think they have enough guys in there for them to be very successful this year in 2023. Yeah. I mean, and this is, 
this is the thing that uh, I'm intrigued by because as we've talked about, Texas ran the ball to finish off games against Iowa State, Baylor, Kansas, Kansas State last year. It was a beautiful thing. They couldn't run it or didn't run it or didn't think they could run it against TCU. I mean, that was ridiculous. TCU, people ran on TCU last year. Like Oklahoma State ran all over TCU last year and Oklahoma State couldn't run. Yeah, and the game was close. Like the game was close enough where you could run the football. You're not you're not behind that much. But right. uh, let's not get me started on 2020. Right. So here's my thing. That was with Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson. Now you got a new starter in the offensive line, DJ Campbell, who should be an upgrade. You've got Jonathan Brooks, who you've seen in practice for three years now. This is going into his third season. Uh, you got Keelan Robinson. You know what he can do. And you've got the number one running back in the country in the 2023 recruiting cycle in CJ Baxter, who is 6'1, 218 pounds, and a full grown man. I was out at practice. This dude has what Sean Adams used to call calves, hams, and ass. <laughs> and like grown man style calves, hams, and ass. And, and CJ Baxter, Steve Sarkeesian said, I trust him and, and pass protection blitz pickup. Okay. Well, those are your three guys. If others can, you know, get some spot duty. Great. Jaden blue. I've said needs to work on his blitz pickup pass protection. He's not there yet, but he's talented and Savion reds coming off a shoulder sprain. So the bottom line is September 9th is fast approaching and you're going to have to run the football against Alabama and you're going to have to do it in Tuscaloosa in front of a hundred thousand plus crazed roll tide fans. And do you have what it takes is the offensive line hardened from going up against Tavondre sweat and Byron Murphy all fall camp is the, is the running back room special that they can make, plays happen when things aren't blocked perfectly is the passing game so damn good that it sets up the run and the defense never knows what's what's coming if those things are all answer yes okay then you'll have your thousand yard rusher probably jonathan brooks if cj baxter you know, passes him at some point during the season. Okay. But we'll, we'll see that with our own eyes. We'll have our own thoughts about that. But those are the, those are the questions for me, Zay, because, you know, if you're looking at biggest concerns for Texas going into the season, because of their, the difficulty that they had running the ball in short yardage, critical situations, late in games when they wanted to, finish the game and the defense knew they were trying to run it. Those are the things that I want to see because Texas has struggled in these close games, especially on the road. They were one in six in true road games before they went to K state and won. to me, the most impressive win of the Sarkeesian era, more so than the 49, nothing against OU because they were playing a tackling dummy and Davis bevel at quarterback. And then, and then the Kansas game where they just ran it 
they just they that's how you beat Jalen Daniels. That's how you beat the Big 12 preseason offensive player of the year. You don't let him on the field. You just run the ball all day long and never let Jalen Daniels get on the field to, to work his magic. Absolutely. And that's why I think hiring Paul Chris from Wisconsin was a huge pickup for this roster that might go unnoticed. Definitely won't go unnoticed on this show because he knows what running the football is all about. This guy had Jonathan Taylor and a lot of guys in the Big Ten. So I think the addition of him understanding these running backs along with how good the sharp choice is, Sark is going to have to not be what he was last year and greedy you had a freshman quarter and it's it's so easy because you said it best chip they had Bijan robinson last year and they still wouldn't run the ball in crucial moments now that quinn is in another year now that you have that beautiful looking wide receiver room are you gonna be able to swallow your pride and say you know what let's just run it down their throat because you're gonna have to do that against somebody this year like I, I know you've got a lot of weapons with JT Sanders putting put him in the mix too but you're gonna have to just say hey put up or shut up I don't care what you're running I don't care how many guys are in the box we are gonna run this down your throat and again the addition of Paul Chris that should help you do that and hopefully he has enough backbone to be like hey Sark look man Let's just go this way. I get it. You running the show. This is your offense. This is your baby. I understand that. But why'd you bring me here? You know, like, don't waste my time. I love Austin, Texas and all, but I could have moved. I have enough money to move here and buy a house. Like, I didn't have to work. So since I'm here, please listen to me. And this goes to the offensive line. You talked about DJ Campbell, him probably getting the start this year. Uh, and that's another big body that's going to help move some guys when you want to have a very effective run game. And I think with everybody they brought back, they brought back everybody on the offensive line. With the way Christian Jones was talking, they're trying to get that the best offensive line award. I don't know what it's called. I'm sure you're going to help me with the that. The Joe Moore Award. Yeah, baby, the Joe Moore Award. They're hanging that up. They got them right. Kyle Floods letting them know this is what we're striving for. And I dig it. I dig that. You need that type of mindset. And they got the big bodies. And, you know, they also got the depth to do it, too. Because, you know, with DJ Campbell starting, that means that you have a very good player that can move around. God forbid these guys, you know, they get clipped all the time where the quarterback falls on their leg or, you know, a defensive edge rusher falls on their leg or something. So you just never know with offensive linemen. But they do have a lot of bodies to wear, kind of like the wide receiver room, kind of like the secondary. If somebody were to get injured, they wouldn't, they shouldn't have a fall off like they've had in years past. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, and this comes in from from Corey. So are you worried with Sark and his play calling in the second half? Now? Yeah. I mean, it's been an <laughs> issue. Now, here's here's the thing. I got a couple thoughts on this, Corey. Um, Sarkeesian changed all of his signals from the sideline. Like there was some question about, may, may, you know, maybe maybe Jared Wiley former Texas tight end for TCU. Maybe he remembered signals or something. And because TCU sure looked like they knew what was coming. 
TCU's defense looked like the Ravens circa 2000, and they weren't that. <laughs> they weren't Don't that. let them score over 10 Georgia. points. <laughs> yeah. That was the same TCU defense that gave up 65 to Georgia. But they looked like they knew every play that was coming against Texas in Austin. So Sark changed all the signals. Um, and then, you know, you look at this – offense with the the added weapons in the passing game now what sark tends to do he does a great job usually of scripting the first 25 plays getting his offense into a rhythm and then they do well in the first half typically they have the lead in the first half we've seen that over and over and over again and then in the second half it turns into you know gripping and white knuckles and okay don't move in your, you know, or move out of your living room chair, or, you know, move around the house, do something to change up the mojo because Texas can't find its offense. I think the added weapons will help with that in, in the second half, but still, man, Sark's got to adjust to the adjustments and he needs, you know, he's got Joe D Camillus helping him with game management, but he needs, he needs to shard choice or Chris Jackson to be in his ear too about what they're seeing, because sometimes I think Sark is so looking for the next play that I don't know how good his picture is from the press box. Like who's telling him what about what the defense is doing and how the defense is adjusting. And so, um, I mean, these are things that absolutely should be handled, but it doesn't look like, it's getting handled, Zay. I mean, there are times where the third quarter, it looks like, okay, what did y'all do at halftime? Did y'all get into the Tito's or something? Cause <laughs> it doesn't look like y'all have a plan. So yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm worried about that, but I do think having the added weapons, Quinn Ewers supposed comfort with the additional weapons. I mean, look, I quoted A.D. Mitchell's dad saying that A.D. told him, Quinn Ewers is going to have so many options, there's going to be someone open every play. Okay, if that's happening, then we could see some like surprise blowouts in favor of Texas. Stuff we haven't seen, really, under this circuit. Every game's been close, Zay. It seems like unless you're playing Rice or, I mean, hell, they were they were in a one possession game with UTSA last year in the third quarter till Jody Barron picked off that that tip pass and ran it in for a touchdown. Yeah, yeah, Jody Barron, he was very good last year. Jody Barron scored the only touchdown in the TCU game. That's right. I'm telling you, that's my guy, man. Special place in my heart being an Austin Knight, Conley High School, man. That's my dude. I expect him to have another big season and be a very good player in the NFL for years to come. But yeah, Chip, to the Sark, and shout out to Corey for hitting us up on the comment section. Are you and worried about second, his play calling, Zay? Yeah, yes, I am. I'm very worried about his play calling because this goes back to do you wear too many hats as the head coach? and the play caller like <laughs> i again some guys they're great at it and some guys struggle at it so when he has that scripted 
plays and schemes for the first 25 and then the coaches make the adjustments and he's not able to do that is it because he's worried about the defense the special teams certain positions certain players everything that you have to worry about as a head football coach at a big time blue blood like the university of texas is he able to do that or is he just straight up trying to focus on the offense and he thinks, oh, I'm leaving this out. I'm leaving that out. Like, I couldn't even imagine. That sounds overwhelming to me. You know, like, I, that sounds very overwhelming. And I get it. Belichick, he's been calling the defense for as long as I can remember. But he had Tom Brady. <laughs> so, you know, it makes life easy to what you're saying. A.D. Mitchell's pops is saying, at the end of the day, you just want the talent to override whatever scheme they're playing like it don't matter i saw cb shout out to chris bennett he put out a vitz young clip yesterday for uh, 10 days left till the football season by day now it's nine days left but he put out that video when they were at kansas if you remember this it was fourth and 18 chip and vitz young scrambled for about 20 yards and got the first 22 down. the texas two-step right in and out of the hands of neil reed Come on now. Like, sometimes the, the talent is just, it don't matter. Fourth and 18. Matt went for it, and they got it because VY scrambled for it. So, like, you know, they were probably in prevent. They were probably, you know, they were probably just trained. Oh, let's just stop them before the line. And when you have talent, it don't matter what you put out on that defensive field. It don't matter what the scheme is philosophy for the other team none of that crap matters because you got dogs because you got dudes and this texas team they have dogs they have dudes so that person in the comment section that talked about that soft label i don't think you can say that about this team now they're still o and o no games played yet so i am sipping the kool-aid with maybe a little jack in it but i still think with what we've seen coming into year three and the roster and how motivated these guys are and just more and more bulletin board material. Who knows what's going to come out in the next couple of days because with what your mark said, there's bound to be any type of bulletin board material to get these guys extra motivated. But, yeah, I'm going to be concerned about Sark's second half, but I think this team has the talent enough, uh, enough to where it don't matter. Yeah, yeah, that's the hope. That's the, uh, that's the hope. Um, this comes in. From uh, Jay Ward, I think decision-making adjustments, just play calling in general becomes a lot less complicated when you have an experienced quarterback and even a more experienced O-line. And that that's also the hope because, as Zay just said, VY made it unfuppable. <laughs> it didn't matter if anyone blocked anyone. VY was, was talented enough to sidestep, you know, pump fake his way out of a out of a jam and turn it into a plus play he did it over and over again on the biggest stage against USC he ran for 200 yards in that game and they were all just off script VYB and VY and we're not going to get that from Quinn Ewers but if Quinn Ewers can figure out where to go with the football and be be really good with his eyes and and then rely on his playmakers like he said throw it up give him a chance and Zay you don't say that he's I mean in Big 12 football media days he said I gotta I gotta trust my receivers in a contested situation 
and throw the ball and give them a chance to make a play. You don't say that unless you've seen guys making that play for you. Because if you just said that last year, people would have been like, okay, pull yours right now. Like, what's he think? But he's got guys now who can go make contested catches, A.D. Mitchell, Isaiah Nair, J.T. Sanders. And, and so now he is saying, okay, even in a contested situation, I got to throw the ball and trust my guys to go up and make a contested catch. Okay, well, that changes things. That there's, let's say, three more first downs per game. And first downs lead to touchdowns. So I, it, it's so interesting. And, of course, the season starts in nine days, and we'll start to get to see this all unfold. But it is fascinating when Steve Sarkeesian, who is a very talented offensive mind, and he does a good job of scheming guys open – he does a really good job of knowing what the defensive tendencies are. Um, like in the national championship game against Ohio State, he knew that Ohio State played cover three between the 20s, and he schemed Devontae Smith to 12 catches and three touchdowns in the first half. The game was over at halftime. And, you know, he knew all the plays that would work and, and that would get Devontae Smith matched up on Borland, the linebacker, and make him look like a fool. And and so when he's got weapons, he's shown you he can uh he can scheme it up. So let's see. I mean it's it's a different deal when you're the head coach. There's no doubt about it. This says yeah. uh our our uh oh someone was asking about Gary Patterson. Uh last I checked Gary Patterson was helping old uh Jerry Kill at out at New Mexico State. I don't know if he was just out there for a, a week or a few days, but uh, remember Jerry Kill was his special assistant at TCU. And then Jerry Kill got the New Mexico State job. And um, I heard Gary was out in Las Cruces helping Jerry Kill a little bit. So um, I, nothing new. Sark told us Gary's not part of the program right now. We'll see where it goes moving forward, which led me to believe that maybe come right about now, Gary might be wanting to do a little opponent scout or something, but um, I've not heard that Gary is, is back and in, involved with, uh, with Texas for this season. So um no new update there. And uh, all right. So, yeah, you know, Chip, Gary, if I was Gary Patterson, I'd be a little hurt, man. You know, you leave, they have a statue out there in Fort Worth, right outside the stadium for TCU. And the year you leave, they go to the national championship. That. I know he's a prideful guy. He probably wouldn't say this. He would probably say, I just wish the best for TCU. I'm happy for them. But he's still a competitor. And I know that competitiveness in him is probably saying, man, that hurt. That this guy, Sonny Dykes, he might respect them, of course. But he could just come in and inherit a lot of guys that I recruited and developed. And he put it all together. Like, Sonny Dykes wasn't even going to start backs, Duggan. He wasn't. It just fell into his lap like that. And, you know, I 
if I was Gary Patterson, I, that would hurt me. I, that would really hurt seeing that happen to where I'm not surprised him taking the leave of absence from the game for a little bit just to, you know, hang with his wife well, and, and relax. Okay. Funny thing is, Gary told me before last season, he said, watch out for TCU. He said, that is a veteran roster. And he was, he was right. And, and he's saying that to me about tech this year. Yeah. Which is interesting because Gary knows personnel and he, he's wary of the red Raiders because he knows they're pretty good on the defensive line. He knows they got veteran quarterbacks and Tyler Shuck and I mean Baron Morton played last year he knows he knows he's, he's been in the fire and and so you know you got Jaron Brantley at receiver Tech's got some some dudes and I'll say this about Sonny Dykes Sonny you're right he went with Chandler Morris Chandler Morris got hurt and Max Duggan who was what two and oh now three and oh against Texas Three and one. Yeah, I guess they, they beat him once in Fort Worth. Yeah, when um, Bijan had like 30-something carries. Right, right. But Sonny's done a good job in the portal. He did a good job in the portal last year. He brought in um, the kid Ali from SMU as the center. He brought in, um, you know, a Josh Newton, who turned out to be an all-Big 12 corner from Louisiana Monroe, the kid uh, – Johnny Hodges, the linebacker from Navy, who's still there. He he did a good job in the portal. They brought in Jared Wiley from Texas, who caught big touchdowns for them. This year, they've done it again. I mean, they went, got JoJo Earl from Alabama, receiver, got John Paul Richardson from Oklahoma State. And the, the guys who, um, you know, I talked to about TCU say this John Paul Richardson is legit. And he's like a Ryan Swope kind of dude, lightning fast white dude who can, you know, like Sean and I used to joke, cracker check. (laughs) Like if if a brother was out, like Sean, if Sean who played wide receiver at ACU and he saw some, you know, bowl of oatmeal across from him, he'd be like, cracker check. And that meant, okay, throw it to me. I got this. Well, yeah, no one's going to be yelling cracker check on John Paul Richardson. So keep your eye on that guy. And remember they brought in uh, um, Trey, uh, the running back who committed to everybody. Oh, yeah. From, but ended, up at, uh, ended up at Alabama. Um, Trey Sanders. They got Trey Sanders at running back. Yeah. yeah. I mean – if you're going to lose Kendra Miller uh, and Imani, ba- Imani Bailey actually is the guy who everyone's kind of raving about at TCU camp. I, I think that game scares me for Texas because you play K-State at home, could be a precursor of the Big 12 title game. And then in it the next week, Texas goes to, to TCU and then they go to they have back to back road games at TCU and at Iowa State. Yeah. At TCU on uh on November 11th. That game that game looks like trouble to me. Yeah. 
Man, you mentioned that Ryan Swope brings back memories. Me and him are the same age. Me and him were probably rivals for six months. And I say that because he used to hoop. I've known Ryan Swope since probably 10 years old. And him being from the Westlake era, he played AAU basketball for the Westlake Hoops. And he was incredible at basketball. As you've seen with his A&M days, he's incredibly athletic. He was like one of those guys that was touching rim before everybody and dunking before everybody. And, yeah, we used to have battles. My team, Austin and one, we used to have battles with Ryan Swope and Westlake Hoops. And then all of a sudden, this dude just became way past what I brought to the table. Like, we weren't even on the same playing field. And thank goodness, every time I see him, I want to thank him. Because if he would have played basketball, Chip, I don't think I would have beat Westlake once in my Bowie basketball career, which that says five. a Come lot. On, man. That, that's because I'm 10 and 5. I'm not 20 and 10. I'm 10 and 5. That dude, if he would have played basketball and football wasn't a thing because he just focused on football and became like all state, obviously. If he would have hooped, your boy, I would have got no dubs against Westlake. And my father and our, our relationship would probably be very different because he took Westlake very seriously. That's a big time rivalry for the Bowie Bulldogs. Oh, and by the way, John Paul Richardson, and uh, and this was uh, pointed out. By the way, he he played at the same high school as A.D. Mitchell, Ridge Point in Missouri City before uh, A.D. Mitchell okay. transferred to Cane uh, Ridge in Tennessee. But he is the son of Bucky Richardson legendary uh, Texas A&M quarterback who went on to play with the Houston Oilers. I used to say Bucky Richardson was a linebacker playing quarterback, but I <laughs> was a cult hero at A&M, Zay. Yeah, yeah. So John Paul Richardson, tough dude, fast, can get open. I'm just saying. That's what I'm talking about. It We're is, halfway uh, in, man. Let's get those shout-outs for our sponsors. Syntex Ticket. Shout-out to Shelby, 7-Eleven. Go get yourself Slurpee Pizza, all the snacks you want. Relax the back. Woods Comfort, AC Repair. Shout-out to them. Top Gun Law and Rentals Equipment. Allstat Brewery out in Fredericksburg. And Chip Brown can tell you about audiovisual consultations. Oh, yeah. I love my man, Tom McKay, listening in to the Texas Sports Unfiltered Network. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but here's the thing. This is what my man, uh, Tom McKay, has got for you. When you think television, you just think audiovisual consultations. And call my man, Tom, at 512-255-8678. And Tom and his crew bring everything to you from the free consultation to installation. That's what they've done for me. You want a big screen? You want to get a bigger big screen? Don't go buy it at a box store. Tom will beat their price and put it in for you. You want surround sound, surveillance, electronic blinds? My man Tom McKay has got you covered. He's apparently doing a, a spread for BK Brad Kellner that is going to be sick, is what Tom told me. Sick. So let him do that for you, too. You, you're busy. Let, let Tom and the crew bring everything to you. AVConsultations.com. Give them a call at 512-255-8678.
Appreciate you, Tom McKay. Um, what up, Tom? What up, Tom? All right, Zay. Um, you know, on this topic, when you look around the Big 12, what team scares you? Uh, well, we talked a little bit about tech already, but I would have to say Kansas State. Kansas State, you know, Chris Kleiman, I think he does a hell of a job up there. And, you know, <laughs> returning Howard, I, I think that's big. I, the season would have been different if he would have just sat A.J. Martinez down really early. I mean, we knew A.J. Martinez. He had a roller coaster career coming from Nebraska. And when he got to Kansas, it was a roller coaster there. But if they would have stuck with Will Howard early, which they were debating, should they redshirt him or should they just let him go? Well, when they finally let him go, it led them to a Big 12 championship. So, you know, that game last year, it was a slobber knocker. And again, since A.J. Martinez played, I think that played into the Longhorns' hands. And they also had a big-time corner that went out very early in that game for targeting, who got drafted this season. And Julius Brents. Yeah, Julius Brents. He is about 6'4". Six six yeah. yeah, man, like he would have caused a lot of problems and that changed the game for Kansas State. So, you know, Deshaun uh, Ward coming in from Florida State, I think that he could be a solid player for him taking over for Deuce Vaughn. And yeah, they, they scare me a lot. And all that has to do with Will Howard coming back and Chris Kleiman just doing such a good job as a head coach. Yeah, you look at K-State, I agree with you. I agree with you. I think it's either going to be K-State or Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game against Texas. K-State has their entire offensive line back, including um, Cooper Beebe, who's all Big 12 first team. And, you know, Ben Sinnott at uh, tight end, good good player. Will Howard, guys become a leader. Phillip Brooks at receiver. I know they lost Malik Knowles, but, um, you know, they brought in – couple guys from the portal they feel good about on defense I was listening to Chris Kleiman at Big 12 football media days because you you lost some studs up front including uh, Felix Anyaduke Uzoma and but you have uh, Khalid Duke back who they like they also have uh, uh, Uso Sumalo who's a just a tough nosed nose tackle um, you know, they always seem to have grimy, tough physical dudes on the, on the, on the lines. And then they got Daniel green to come back at linebacker, which I'm like, Whoa. So defensively is where the questions are. And defensively is where Chris Kleiman does his coaching and K state's usually pretty darn good on defense. So yeah, this, this comes in, um, from uh from Corey good thing Texas is playing K-State and Austin I agree I agree <laughs> now it didn't matter where OU played K-State K-State won I mean Clemens won twice in Norman and yeah. once against and the Sooners don't have to play K-State this year or TCU yeah yeah you mentioned Clemens being Tech, a- I mean 
Yeah, being the head honcho on defense, Colin Klein does a very good job. And I thought him and Will Howard were, besides the Alabama game, they had very good chemistry on that field to what he wanted to do. But, man, Deuce Vaughn, that's going to hurt them. I know my man Ward, he's solid at all, but Deuce Vaughn did so much for that team. In a way, he was the heart and soul of that team because when you see a little guy like that playing the way he does, like it makes you say, man, I'm way bigger than him. If he could do it, I could do it. And look how much, look how tough he is, and look how big of a leader he is. So that's gonna hurt. That's definitely gonna hurt this Wildcats team. But I still think they're as good as anybody besides Texas in the Big Twelve. And yeah, I'm right there with you on Texas. Here's my game. Here's my game to watch, Zay. This is my game to watch about K State. I know everyone's going to be like, oh, they're playing at Mizzou on September 16th. The game I'm watching is the next week, September 23rd, Central Florida at K-State. Gus Malzahn, how does he attack the Chris Kleiman defense? John Rice Plumley should be healthy, little Fast outfielder, baseball player, quarterback, <laughs> pretty boy. I like him. He plays the piano. <laughs> I talk you to think him. He's a, you think he's a pretty boy? Well, oh, yeah. That dude plays two sports, man. He can't be that pretty. Oh, he's, he's pretty. He's got some tough. <laughs> he's pretty. He's pretty, man. I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, I've walked up. To, he's got a great personality. This guy's probably right. going to be a lounge singer at some point. He plays the piano. I I like the guy. It's hard not to like the guy and he should be healthy at that point of the season. And I have that as my upset of the year in the big 12. Wow. Wow. Central Florida over K state, September 23rd probably means K state wins that game by two touchdowns, but (laughs) that's my, Big 12 upset of the year. And if that happens and Central Florida goes on to have a good season, then we could get to my wildly outlandish scenario where we have a three-way tie for second place in the Big 12 between Oklahoma, K-State, and Central Florida. And Oklahoma would win the tiebreaker because I've got Oklahoma beating Central Florida in Norman. And that would be the tiebreaker to decide it. So Texas and Oklahoma in the Big 12 title game in a tiebreaker. Okay. Hey, I I know Brett Yormark wouldn't like that. (laughs) I know that he wouldn't like that one bit. He might not even show up to Jerry World if you've got Texas and OU playing for that ship, man. That would be crazy with the remarks that he made yesterday. But, yeah, Dylan Gabriel – him missing all those games for Brent Venables last year, that hurt Oklahoma a lot because all those games that he missed, his stats are pretty good. Like he was very good, very fleet of foot, can move around in the pocket. And I think the fact that he's a Southpaw, that makes him even more, you know, difficult and different. But yeah, he, the way that he plays, he, you would think he would probably get hurt a little more than others because he likes to run and stuff. But yeah, if he could stay healthy, then 
Oklahoma, that game at the Red River, when you go to the Cotton Bowl, that game, it won't be no 49-0, I'll tell you that. Even though I expect Texas to win and win the Big 12, it won't be no 49-0 if Dylan Gabriel's taking the snap for the Sooners. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm just telling you. Um, it's going to be a different Red River shootout this year because Venables is getting his guys – they're they're gonna figure it out on defense. Dylan Gabriel's a different a different dude. OU's got good running backs. Javante Barnes, um, you know, saw Chuck. They 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 got Austin Stogner back at tight end. They're gonna be a lot better than what we saw at the State Fair of Texas a year ago. So Texas fans, you will always have forty nine to nothing, but embrace it, cherish it, put it on the mantle because it's kind of a one of a kind rare thing. And That's this right. year is going to be back to just absolute mayhem in the cotton bowl. Yeah. I can't saying. wait. Can't wait. All I'm right. Excited. Say, I'm going to hit you. Uh, I'm going to hit you with a chip shot. Um, and the chip shot is going to hit you on uh, my man, Jalen Catalan. So, look at me. I'm trying to tweet and talk at the same time. That's worthless. All right. Um, so, Jalen Catalan, I, I put this together for the insider. I would uh, recommend – anyone listening to the show who calls himself a Texas fan who is not already an annual member at horns 24 seven, get on in there because uh, the recruiting coverage team coverage, man, it's, it's on point and it's uh, it's a big time football season this year. So if you're ever going to be in on the, uh, on the inside, then get in, get in now. And here's the thing about Jalen Catalan um, that I think is really interesting. His sophomore film at Mansfield Legacy is, is something that gets talked about in like high school coaching and college circles. So Jalen Catalan is uh, entering his sophomore year at Mansfield Legacy. Undersized guy, his older brother Kendall's the quarterback at legacy Kendall he's you know slippery playmaker and the former coach at Mansfield legacy Chris Melson told me that in Catalan's first spring you know football on varsity which he's still a freshman at the at that point going into what would be the you know 17 season he trucked a veteran running back in like one of the first drills and Melson was like, Oh wow. Okay. And then on the uh, first day of fall camp, Catalan laid out a receiver, like popped the cork, popped his helmet. And Melson said from that day forward, we were a physical defense and that team went on to, to go 11 and three and Kendall and Jalen Catalan had a lot to do with it. And what's interesting, everyone wants to know why did Jalen Catalan go to Arkansas? 
And I was told by both Chris Melson and Jalen's dad, Sherman, that a big reason was the relationship he developed with Chad Morris because Chad Morris's sister was the girls basketball coach at Mansfield legacy. So coaches like during dead periods, coaches couldn't, couldn't visit, but Chad Morris could cause he was just going to visit his sister. So Chad Morris was at Mansfield legacy a lot and developed a relationship with, with Jalen. And when it came time, I mean, he got offered by everybody, uh, Brent Venables at Clemson and A&M and Texas. And he picked Arkansas in large part because of the relationship that he had established with Chad Morris through uh, the legacy um, girls basketball coach, Michelle Morris, Chad's sister. And then he stayed Zay. He, you know, Chad Morris, they were, they were together one year and it was while Catalan was redshirting. Then Morris got fired and in came Sam Pittman. Well, Sam Pittman made Barry Odom, the defensive coordinator, Barry Odom was the first coach to offer Jalen Catalan a scholarship at Missouri when Odom was the head coach there. Huh. So Jalen Catalan stayed at Arkansas, but Odom also used that three high safety look. And so Catalan waited until he graduated from Arkansas to leave. And he decided, you know what? I want to play in a system that more closely resembles the NFL, a too high um, scheme where I can play in the middle of the field and break on the ball like Earl Thomas. And, and so that's what led him to Texas. And it's um, I've said it before. This guy is such a game changer for the Texas defense. I don't think Texas fans even really know. Now those I would say to you, and if you go, um, if you've already read the story at Horns 24 seven, I've got links in there to his sophomore film in high school that everyone talks about. It's like 12 minutes long and it is a complete highlight reel. I've also got links into his um, redshirt freshman year at, at Arkansas in 2020 when he was all sec and the uh, you know, freshman all American, he averaged 9.9 tackles per game that season at Arkansas three interceptions, but listen to this Zay. his sophomore year at Mansfield legacy. Okay. First time starter. He finished that year. And this is why like Jeff trailer even talked about it. Um, Kevin Wilson, who's now the head coach at Tulsa um, you name it, but Catalan finished his sophomore season at legacy with 183 tackles, nine interceptions, seven tackles for loss, Seven passes broken up, three forced fumbles, and one fumble recovery. He was named the Class 5A Defensive Player of the Year in the state as a sophomore. Wow. And that's the way he's played ever since. And, you know, he tore his ACL his senior year, one and a half quarters into the season. I mean, one and a half quarters into the opener. He was playing quarterback he, you know, made a cut towards ACL, missed his senior season. 
Um, Legacy obviously was not the same football team. They were, they were a contender with them. Uh, They were not a contender without them. I mean, and that's what Chris Melson told me. That's how important Jalen Catalan was to that football, that football team. So this is a special dude. This is a difference making dude. And this is why I say the two players I'm absolutely most excited about watching this season are Jalen Catalan and A.D. Mitchell because they do freak things. They do things you don't see um, unless you're watching like a highlight reel from the NFL or, you know, video of Sean Taylor. And I know Catalan's not, he's not as big as Sean Taylor, but he hits like Sean Taylor. Yeah. And the best safeties hit, you know, going back to Ronnie Lott and, you know, as recently as Cam Chancellor, Palomalu, Ed Reed, all those guys, they were not afraid of contact. You mentioned Bob Sanders, who we both compared to Jalen Catalan, like he used to hit too. But again, there's just too much similarities in Bob Sanders and Jalen Catalan on and off the field with the injuries. And as long as he could stay healthy, then this team, you have no worries in that secondary but that's a big if you know he just hasn't been able to stay healthy throughout his whole career I didn't even know he had that ACL injury in high school I just knew about his history record when it came to playing in the SEC for the Razorbacks and he's not going to stop playing that way he's always going to play with that reckless abandon that hard nose mentality I don't care if you're bigger than me and with all the responsibility that a safety has from coverage to you know Know, playing different gaps to blitzing like there's a ton of responsibility that you have to be a very good elite safety that I think Jalen Callahan is you know he does a little bit of everything and that's why he's more susceptible to getting those injuries because he's not afraid of taking plays off he won't take plays off so you know when you got a guy like that Man, that translates through the whole defense, not just the secondary. Everybody sees that, kind of like we mentioned with Mansville, like when he started hitting that practice and training camp and stuff, it, everybody became more physical. So when you see guys do that, hey, that's how you follow, that's how you lead. And guys will follow if you do things like that. So I expect Jalen Catalan, while he's on the field, to make that same impact that he did his first few years playing in the SEC. And again, if he does that, then this secondary, this defense, that could be very special. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful for Jalen Catalan's sake that he gets, he gets a full season because five years, this is his fifth college year. He redshirted in, in, uh, you know, 2019 as a freshman, but five years he's played one full season and that was the academic or the uh, pandemic shortened 2020 season. It's only 10 games, but that's the only college season that he's, you know, been active and playing that he completed. So you, you just want him to have that. And the shoulder injuries were totally different. Like it wasn't, he had a torn labrum and then it was, a fractured um, the shoulder socket and totally different injuries. It wasn't one, one wasn't related to the other. Um, and, and he got a cleanup surgery when he came to Texas that they feel like is, is going to, you know, really help him be um, 
you know, stronger, bigger, faster, stronger, $6 million man type stuff. We'll see. But that dude, he's a game changer. If you thought Earl Thomas, Kenny Vaccaro, Quandre Diggs were game changers for Texas, then you're going to, you're going to enjoy watching Jalen Catalan. Um, So uh, check that out at uh, horns 24 seven. All right, Zay. What you got for us, my man? All right, Chip. So I know you're a tennis guy, and I'm I'm very intrigued to see how you feel about this topic that I'm going to bring up because it's going to hit home for you in one way, but a lot of tennis guys, they're a little salty about the new wave in pickleball because pickleball is now taking over and they're starting to get rid of the tennis courts and put in the pickleball courts more and more. And some of these tennis people, they're not too happy about it, but Bijan Robinson said, let me get a piece of that. The former Longhorn now joined an ownership group for the major league pickleball team here in Texas called the Texas Rangers. Bijan said, as a proud Longhorn, both Texas sports and Austin have special meaning. And when I heard there was an Austin professional pickleball team setting out to be a leader in major pickleball, major league pickleball, excuse me, I knew I wanted to support the team. I'm looking forward to supporting the ranchers community, and that will set an example for the rest of the league. So Bijan Robinson getting in the pickleball game, and as a tennis guy, how do you feel about that? Okay, so it took me a minute to like even give it a try. But this summer, um, my wife, who's probably the, the reason we are the mixed doubles champions uh, right now, there we, go. And we won the, the Austin city tournament. Um, they call it the, the polar bear open um, in the, uh, you know, in December we were in Colorado this summer and we were staying at a house that had a pickle. Well, had a tennis court, but it had pickleball lines drawn on the tennis court. And we were with, you know, three other couples. We played pickleball every day. I loved it. I'm in. You're, you're not having to cover as much court Zay. I'm old. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, people drink and play. I don't, I don't know that I would advise that because you are having to make some, you know, pretty quick moves. You don't want to, you know, set yourself up for disaster here. I've seen a guy blow out his Achilles playing pickleball. Oh, wow. He's old too. Yeah. Uh, so I get it. I get it. It's, it's like a cross between ping pong and tennis. And are you, are you a ping pong player, Zay? Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. dabbling in some table tennis. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah, if I you like it. if you like table tennis, you're probably gonna like pickleball. Cause it's yeah. it's pretty similar. It's a lot of, you know, wrist action. It's not full, you know, full swings. It's it's more like choppy strokes, right. but hey, so, Bijan Robinson is following in LeBron and Drew Brees' footsteps on this, right? 
Yeah, a lot of guys are starting to play pickleball and starting to invest in all these pickleball teams. It's become very popular, not just in the U.S., but around the world. And, you know, it's funny that you talk about um, you and your wife winning the championships and stuff like that because my father-in-law told me before we actually started the show and before I met y'all on Saturday, he told me how big of a tennis guy you are. And he's always loved you and stuff. And he's a big tennis guy too. Listen to this. This guy, Kevin, has played tennis with Stan Smith. Up in, yeah, up in South Carolina. I don't know how I'm going to have to have you know him tell you about it sometime whenever y'all meet, but... This dude somehow, and he's done it multiple times too. Like he has a connection with Stan Smith and got the classic Stan Smith Adidas shoes. He has oh, his own yeah. personal pair that were signed and stuff, which every time I used to hear Stan Smith back in the day, I'd never put tennis together. I just thought, oh, you got the Stan Smith sneakers. You got the kicks, man. You fly out here because that was kind of the same thing as the Air Force One for Nike. It was a nice look that you could wear, you know, in any type of environment, nice clothes, whatever, casual. Stan Smith goes with anything. So I, you know, being, I guess, the young whippersnapper, well, I'm not that young no more, but <laughs> I like to think of myself as young. Stan Smith was way before my time. And yeah, the fact that Kevin got to play with him, I know he always puts that in a you know high point of his memories for sure. That's awesome. Kevin, right. shout out, man. Shout out, Kevin. What's up, baby? I know he's listening. That's so he's a, he's a tennis guy. Big time tennis guy. I don't know if he feels the same way you feel about pickleball. I know that. Kevin, is this is this the guy who beat me in doubles like uh, a month ago? <laughs> I don't think so. Because, man, I uh, I ran into a Kevin in uh, in the USTA league who just like handed it to me. I was like, man, I got to get out and practice some more. Yeah, is, man. Uh, this is tough, but shout out to Kevin, even if he is the Kevin who who gave it to us because he and his partner were like lights out. Yeah, um, yeah but man. you know, Bijan Robinson's always going to be smart about his investments. Like, I'm not surprised that he's so. already getting into stuff. And I already, you've seen the Bijan commercial for the mustard? Bijan Mustard Song commercial? Oh, was that it just dropped? It, no, I haven't seen that one. Well, we're gonna have to get that tomorrow. They send it to you and stuff. Okay. But yeah, that's a, it's pretty good. Bijan, he's doing well because we know running backs they're not valued like the rest of the NFL. So he's gonna have to make his money and investing and endorsements and stuff. He's gonna have to get that paper a different way because he's he ain't gonna see what these quarterbacks and offensive line get. Please believe me. Like, if he has a good first six, seven games, I say hold out right then and there. Just <laughs> ask for a new deal. That's it. Yeah, ask for a new deal. That, he's ma- already making more than all the other running backs. I know. That $13 million, that's above everybody else. I think Saquon's at 11 Like, nobody's really touching that. Amazing. I think somebody's at 12 It's ridiculous. So, yeah. It's, I think Jerry was the last owner to lose his mind – and pay a holdout running back in Zeke Elliott. Oh, did wow, you see Zeke? Guy. Did you see Zeke visit the New England Patriots and talk about yeah, how he looks bouncy big. he was? I'm bouncy. 
bouncy. You talking about his stomach? About what bounces off his stomach? Because I saw a very hefty Ezekiel Elliott up there in Foxborough. But hey, that's he's always been a little heavy set with those tank tops and stuff. I, but he can move. He can move. But I just don't think at this point of his career you're gonna get that same Zeke that you got those first few years when he was in Dallas. Well, and speaking of, well, we'll get to the Cowboys in a second. This got me thinking about some of the guests we're going to start having on the show. In fact, a week from today at 1.30, our man Lance Taylor, the SEC insider from, uh, used to be on Jocks Radio. Now he's doing nextroundlive.com in Birmingham, kind of like we're doing with Texas Sports Unfiltered. Got tired of the headaches of radio and said, hey, Let's go work for ourselves and have some fun and make sure that we build our relationship with our audience. And then we get to decide how long we stay and how long we get to have that relationship with the audience. That's right. That's big. Yeah. Let them know, Chip. That's why we're here, baby. I've been fired from every station in town (laughs) and I'm tired of it. I was fired from the horn. Then I was fired by, well, I was fired by Simmons, fired by the horn, fired by iHeart. And I just said enough. Yeah. So I walked away from uh, my last job and said, let's do this. That's what I'm let's talking do about, this. baby. So That's what I'm talking about. I'm excited about, about that. But uh, Lance Taylor, um, he, he, he does uh, picks as well. Lance's lock. Uh, but he is as good as there is on the SEC. And we, of course, will be counting down to September 9th, Texas against Alabama. In fact, Zay, today I was talking to the person. I'm actually going to stay at a friend's house in Birmingham. Nice. And she's a classmate of mine from SMU. And How far is that drive? How long is that drive? It's about an hour. Okay. It's about an hour. And she's like, does Texas think they're going to win? And I'm like, well, yeah, they think they're going to win because you don't have a quarterback. I go, who's going to be the quarterback? She's like, I go, if it's Tyler Buckner, Texas wins. She's like, well, it's not going to be Tyler Buckner. I go, well, who's it going to be? Jalen Milrow or Ty Simpson? Pick one. She's like, I don't know. I'm like, that's why Texas thinks they can win. Because <laughs> you don't know who the Alabama quarterback is. And Nick Saban was on Next Round Live today with Lance Taylor, and I was listening to it, and Nick Saban said, we've been telling the guys, well, how about you play so well that we can't, we can't miss you as the starter? There we you go. blow us away with your quarterback play so that it's a no-brainer for us to name you the starter. Like, he's yeah, still right trying to figure it out, Zay. Absolutely. Absolutely. He might not even know until he gets into that locker room for week one. <laughs> like, uh, you know, you would want to let the guys know early on. And the, the locker room always knows. 
You they know, do. they always they always know. So maybe somebody might slip up and say something before that, but this is a Nick Saban team. You know, they're always going to be very tight on the lip when it comes to any type of media access. But, yeah, I I think it's Milrose to lose. I think he's the most versatile one they have, but can he make the throws? We know he has the legs. Can he make the throws? And, yeah, Nick Saban, he hasn't been in this – territory in a very very long time where he didn't know who his quarterback was going to be you look at his last what four guys that he's had all those guys yeah, really since started. 2015 yeah all those guys are starting in the nfl all yeah. of them from jalen hurts to tua to mac jones now to bryce young they are all gonna be starting quarterbacks in the national football league so i don't know if one of the guys that he has will be that right now and he doesn't know so yeah all you can do is threaten them all you can do is try to push those buttons to see if anybody will tell you without you having to make the difficult decision make it as easy as possible and if you're a texas fan you want it to be as hard as possible because you want to have that the best quarterback going into that alabama stadium when that game comes up and yeah i'm it's going to be interesting. Milrow being from Texas, Chris Bennett just mentioned he's right. He decommitted from Texas back in the day, and he probably will use that as some bulletin board material. But, yeah, if you're – If he's playing. If he's playing, you're right. If he's playing, there's a big chance he is. Greg McElroy says it's going to be Ty Simpson. Wow. I just don't think – I think Milrow is the answer because if they're going to run it, then have a dual threat change the identity of the offense, come out with a bunch of quarterback design runs, which is Alabama has absolutely not done that. I mean, since like maybe a little bit of Blake Sims, but I mean, that's not been their thing. It's been, it's been pro style offense, but they don't have the receivers to do that. So they got the running backs. And so why not have the quarterback be, a threat to run and really tax the defense that that would be a vote for, for Jalen Milrow, but you got to be able to throw it. You definitely have to be able to throw it. And I think that's why Greg McElroy is pointing to Ty Simpson. We will, uh, we'll find out soon enough. Speaking of it says, what about John Brown? John Brown is going to be a regular. He's going to be a regular on chip and Zay, the two time, Mr. Universe, kid from Compton, raised three five-star wide receivers, Equinemius St. Brown, Osiris St. Brown, and Amon Ra, the pro bowler for the Detroit Lions. Um, I'm going to have to ask John about his hip-hop you know, knowledge, because being in Compton, they've had some of the greatest hip-hop artists of all time. But obviously, NWA with Cube and Eazy E and Dre, but Kendrick Lamar's from Compton. Like he's about the same age as Dre. Okay. Okay. So, well, yeah, we'll we'll have to ask him if uh, if they crossed paths. Cube, yeah, all those guys. I mean, um. And it, it's so funny because John Brown said he was 15 years old walking around in a tank top and a guy said, dude, you need to be a bodybuilder. you got the kind of body that could win Mr. Universe. And John Brown was didn't know nothing about bodybuilding. And yeah. by God, he got in the gym 
and became two-time Mr. Universe. Oh, that's a swole brother right there, man. That's a swole brother. That clip that they have on Hard Knocks with the Detroit Lions, yeah, of him and his sons, pretty remarkable. Like, and just you know, he pushed those kids. He pushed those kids, and it worked out. It worked out. When you have two kids in the National Football League, like that's very impressive. And they obviously got good genes from pops and moms, but yeah, man, they he's done a very good job raising those boys. Yeah, Kane Protein. Kane Protein uh, is his social media handle. And he's that's his protein that he makes. He sells it at caneprotein.com or whatever. And he, you know, he's black. He's married to a white woman. He put a picture of her father on the back of the package as the scientist putting the Kane Protein together. I was like, John, what are you doing? He's like, I didn't know if people would want to see me coming up with the formula. They probably want to see some guy who looks like a scientist. I'm like cracking up. What you mean? Famous Amos and well, Uncle Ben and Achamama. I don't know if they're around. I don't think Uncle Ben and Achamama are around no more, which is a shame. I wasn't offended by it. I love having that black representation on the cover of all that stuff. But yeah, it was still sell. It's still sell. I'm sure it's working now, but it's still yeah. sell. Absolutely. Yeah, he's a trip. Um, yeah, this, uh, yes, uh, CBS, are the Williams sisters from Compton? Yes, yes, they are. Greatest tennis player. Well, Serena's the greatest American tennis player ever, man or oh, woman. She's incredible. Unbelievable. Um, and Sal, Sal from New York. My prediction, the Lions win in KC opening night by double digits. Whoa, Sal. Um, you know what, Sal? Chris Jones is not back yet. The big-time all-pro defensive tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs, he is holding out for a new contract, which I understand him going all-pro last year. Then winning the Super Bowl, he had that very uh, intense sack on Joe Burrow in the AFC Championship game that kind of sealed the game for him. So his value is very high. I don't know if it will be enough to win by double digits, but the Lions, who a lot of people expect to win the NFC North this year, they might give them a game just because, you know, everybody has those first game jitters, but it's hard to go against 15, man. It's that dude. He is on another level and he just plays that quarterback position like we've never seen before with a grace and effortless way of just throwing the ball around at different angles and making plays with his legs. And I don't know how you go against Patrick Mahomes, but with no Chris Jones, that defense, they might be a little vulnerable, Chip. Might be a little vulnerable. Hey, if you think I'm reaching for the Tums talking about Texas doing well, the Detroit Lions, I mean, my pops and I watch the Lions every Sunday because that's all we got. There was no Sunday ticket. There was no watching other games. We got the Lions every noon on Sunday and then whatever game came after it, Billy Sims. Here's the crazy thing about the lions. Their two best players wore the same number. Like what other franchise has that issue? Billy Sims 
and Barry Sanders both wore 20. Like, come on, That's Lions. Yeah, what are we doing? They messed that up. They messed that up. They Man, the up. Lakers got all these numbers retired. <laughs> the Lions have 20 for two guys. <laughs> Can we each get oh, our own number? I don't know. Maybe it's kind of like a Jerry Jones with the number 88. Jesse keeps passing it along from Michael Irvin to Des Bryant. Now CD Lamb has it. I don't know. Maybe it's one of those things. But yeah, that's that's an interesting way to go for those Detroit people up there. Oh yeah, Sal bringing up Lamb Barney. Wow. That dude Sal. was that dude was a hard hitting safety for the Lions. And this, once upon a time, they were the Detroit Longhorns. That's because what? Roy Williams, Rod Babers. um, There were were a couple other dudes who didn't quite make the roster. But, yeah, but then then it was the Tennessee Longhorns, the the Titans, because they had had V.Y., they had Bo Scaife, they had – Ahmad Hall. Yeah. And yeah, Griff. Hell, three-time Pro Bowl safety Griff. Yeah. They were definitely the it was the Tennessee Longhorns. The Texas yeah. Titans. Yep. Jeff I mean, Fisher, muck that all up. Just ruin it for everybody. <sighs> what a guy, man. What a bad haircut, too. Just an old dated. He always looked like an 80s villain to me. Just like an 80s villain that was trying to catch like Eddie Murphy or David Hasselhoff or something in some cheesy flick. Like, he just, <laughs> had a villain. just always had a villain mentality to me. And yeah, I'm with a lot of Texas fans that thinks that he just threw Vince Young's career down the drain. Now, VY had his other demons, obviously, but Jeff Fisher definitely didn't help. We, you know, who the villain is really in that deal was. Bud Adams, the owner, because he mm. wanted Vince. And he he knew Jeff Fisher would have rather had Matt Leinert or whatever. Bud Adams wanted Vince because the Texans passed on him. And Bud thought that having just been in Houston, that VY could transform the Titans, and he did to a degree, the same way he transformed Madison High School in Texas. And so Bud Adams shoved Vince on a coach who didn't want him. And I'm, I'm, I was talking to someone the other day who's like, Bud Adams should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I'm like, boy, that's going to be a tough sell in <laughs> Houston and the state of Texas, let me tell you. Because Bud Adams was – Ugh. So he drafted VY out of spite because the Texans passed on him and he was trying to stick it to him. Wow, I didn't know that. Yep. Hmm. And it it worked for a minute, but yeah, that was a crazy that was a crazy time. That yeah. that was the Reggie Bush draft, and now look at Reggie. Reggie suing the NCAA for defamation. He wants that Heisman back. He wants that Heisman back. Reggie said, he didn't take money from the school, Zay. He took money from an agent. He was doing his own thing. That's That's right. Yeah, those mom and dad, they were involved too. Reggie didn't have nothing to do with some of that stuff. Like, come on now. 
like you said, that's all legal. So what's what's really wrong? And for one, if we ain't gonna if we're gonna take it away from Reggie, why can't we just give it to Vy? You know, I know Vy probably wouldn't take it. The competitive in him probably would be like, nah, it's Reggie's. He deserves it. He won it. Well, I wouldn't say fair and square, but he won it. And Hey, we all moved on. I feel Reggie, get your trophy back, even though it should be Vince Young's and all that money that Southern Cal made and Reggie couldn't get a piece of it and he had to go under the table. Come on now. Like they need to reward something because, hey, Reggie Bush, he was special. He was special. Reggie was a douche, but he was special. Now, (laughs) here's why I say that because – that whole week building up to the Texas USC game, I'm in LA for all the events covering everything. Reggie Bush, Matt Liner would always go up to Vince and slap five. And, you know, Reggie would never look at Vince and Reggie was, he couldn't be bothered that week. And he's wearing his diamond watch and everything to all the press conferences and talking down to all of us. And it was just annoying because VY is putting on the Mickey gloves at Disney, Disney world and being funny. And he walks over to shake hands with liner liner. does it Reggie like goes and talks to Tinkerbell or something. I mean, it was, it was insulting and, and it worked in Texas's favor the whole week because Vince was just getting more and more fired up to go take it to the Trojans. And he did. Yeah. Shout out to Steve Sarkeesian, not putting Reggie Bush in for that last play on the fourth down, giving the ball to Lindell White. Like you're a true Texan, Steve. You're a true Texan. We appreciate that. Now I bet your USC fans are probably like, Hmm, that's very interesting. But I didn't know Reggie Bush was a douche like that. I always, I mean, I knew he was off because he dated a Kardashian. So something's obviously awful about you if you date a Kardashian. Like, I love Lamar Odom as a player, but obviously something's off with him. He had the little incident in Vegas with, you know, the women. I'm just going to say that to be very PG, like, all here. And then, you know, you got guys like – Chicken ranch. Yeah, a certain ranch. And then you got guys like Chris Humphreys who played the NBA, who's odd, and then Kanye West. I mean, that's kind of self-explanatory. And Tristan – that's yeah, Tristan. As much as we love Tristan Thompson being a lifetime Longhorn NBA champion, something a little off with Tristan. So he's just a little off. Which once you get caught up in that Kardashian mix, something's a little off. So I'm not surprised one bit to hear that Reggie Bush isn't the nicest. Well, guy he went he went to Helix High School in San Diego, and he. Once he got into the NFL, he wanted to fund a – he said he was going to fund a scholarship. It's like 5000 each for the best girl athlete at Helix and the best boy athlete at Helix, well-rounded Reggie Bush scholarships. So they pick the winners at Helix, and Reggie no-shows them. Wow. Your alma mater? Come on, man. Now, I this, – this was years ago. But the, the word back then was he never funded the scholarships. Now, maybe he went back and, and did it, but I'm like, come on, man. 
They picked the winners. You said you were going to give them each five grand. That's nothing yeah. for you. Yeah, that's trash, Reggie. That's that's trash. I don't like to hear stuff like that. And you see them on these Wendy's commercials and stuff, and Fox with Liner and Brady Quinn and Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer, excuse me. And you're like, okay, he's a little personable. Like you know, I I respect this part of him. But to hear this, come on, Reggie, you gotta do better, my guy. You gotta be better. Does Does Reggie ever say anything on Big Noon? He ever gets his two cents. Like, oh yeah, he's definitely the token. <laughs> he's definitely like he, you know. He's their Desmond. There, he's so. their Desmond Howard. I wouldn't even say that. Like Desmond Howard, he still he does his thing over there for uh, the Four Letter Network with Herb Shriek and those boys. But Reggie, uh, you know, like they he, used to have high. Charles Woodson. That's right. I like Charles. Oh, I love Charles Woodson. Yeah, I think he's great. He's one of he my favorite players stuff. ever. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't know. You don't see Reggie in the um, Heisman commercials. You know the Nissan Heisman commercials that they have where they bring all those guys back. I don't see him there much. Like, because they, they took it. He doesn't. They took it. He don't he's, got it. So I guess he ain't at all. He's trying to get the NCAA to to say they made a mistake about punishing him because it was because of that punishment that the Heisman trust took the trophy back. Yeah, they did, man. I, I think he deserves it back. Even though I don't think he deserved to win it that year, they need totally to agree. give it to him back. They, I mean, he never should have won it. I voted for Vince Young. And if, and my rationale was if you took Reggie Bush off of USC, they're fine. They still have Lendell white, Matt liner, you know, they, they had dudes. If you yeah. took Vince Young off of Texas, they might have lost to Ohio State. They might have lost to AM. I mean, that Vince Young was easily the most outstanding player. But because Reggie Bush played Fresno State on TV on a Thursday night, the week before the votes were due, and he looked like a video game, I was like, uh-oh, Reggie Bush just won the Heisman because we're all a prisoner of the moment, and these voters are looking for a reason to tip it one way or the other, and they just got it. And then VY had to play AM in a rainy, overcast, yeah. crappy day. He played meh. And the voters were like, okay, there we go. They didn't look at the body of work. They didn't look at everything and really size it up. They fell prey to a highlight reel. Yeah, no Pac-12 championship game back then. So Reggie didn't have a chance to have a bad game and stuff. And, yeah, that, that's that's pretty trash, man. Can we that's wait absolutely. for the bowl games to vote? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's that, it's that easy. Can like, we do that? I, don't, I don't get it. I can't stand it. I can't stand the way voting set up for all sports. Like you yeah. look at NBA, football, like NBA, like let's wait till after the championship. Like Nikola Jokic should have won his third MVP this year. He's the best player in the league. He led the Denver Nuggets to win the NBA finals. Patrick Mahomes, like obviously, I think he won it this past year, but I don't know. Yeah. He's obviously the best player. Like 
it should go to the guy who's the best player in the league, not just regular season, because yes, that matters, but the postseason is what really matters. Hell, Michael Jordan should have about 10 MVPs, man. Kidding me? Yeah, I mean, how about how about we just wait for the entire season to end before we say who is yeah. the most outstanding or the most valuable for the entire season? Like when it matters most, the championship. Can we can we incorporate that into the criteria? Would that be too much? Is that crazy? It's very simple. It's not. I think it's very simple. It's a very simple fix. But you know, all these old heads. Let's not mess with tradition and this and that. And oh, do we have like, a TV contract that has to be filled? I mean, come on. Change is good. Look at us. Look what we're doing. Change is beautiful. Like, we're tired. Change getting is fired. okay. <laughs> We should change the name of our show, Zay, to Tired of Getting Fired. I get fired, baby, on Texas Sports Unfiltered. Hey, let me ask you this, because how, how many Heismans have you voted on? I have been a Heisman voter for the last 20 years. Amazing. That's absolutely amazing. And how many times have you been right? Um, A lot, but... You know, I voted for Johnny Manziel. I voted for Vince yeah. Young. Um, I really try to break it down. Like, I I bring in all the defensive guys and really look at who, you know, had the most outstanding season, obviously what they mean to their team, but most outstanding – you're the most outstanding player it's not supposed to be the best team or the best player on the best team. I mean, I put Max Duggan in my final three last year. thought he was yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, I had Caleb Williams too, because Caleb Williams is an assassin and was playing on one leg. And man, Caleb Williams. It was funny because Rick Neuheisel told me, don't let Caleb Williams on the field. And I was like, Really? And he's like, yeah. When Spencer Rattler was starting? Yeah. Ugh. So he was right. Yeah. Um, definitely right. Yeah. So, I mean, Caleb Williams is uh, – he's, he's an assassin. If USC has any kind of defense, then they're going to be – they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, I don't know how you stop him. It seems like Lincoln Riley, those offenses that he always just puts out there, he always just has that guy at quarterback that is just special, and he knows how to use them, and they always have good chemistry. So I expect Caleb – that's why I had to ask Chris yesterday, not named you know, Caleb Williams, who he would take for the Heisman. He chose the uh, guy coming out of Florida State playing QB, but I said not named Caleb Williams because I expect him to go Archie Griffin this year and go back to back some that we haven't seen since again Archie Griffin like he is that talented he is that offense and their schedule like everything points that way for Southern Cal to be very successful this season and it all starts with Caleb Williams and what he could do on the football field it's it's different it's flat out different and it makes a lot of sense to why we're going to see in the NFL a few teams tank this year. A few teams just already week one says, hey, 
we're already we already know this is a wasted year because that guy at USC is that good and it's worth losing all these games to get him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the Texans couldn't tank correctly. They want game. You had to go. Lovey Smith, you had to go. You messed that up. You mucked that Lovey. up for everybody. Couldn't you, you see had what we to needed? No, nope. couldn't y'all you go fire see? Me. Y'all gonna fire me anyway. What's the point? What's the point? I'm gonna, I'm gonna win this game. <laughs> I'm gonna win this game. Y'all are gonna fire me anyway, so I'm just gonna win the game. I'm just gonna win the game. That's what you play for, Herb Edwards. You play to win the game. You don't play the tank, man. Now we're gonna we're gonna compare CJ Stroud and Bryce Young for the rest of their careers, just like we compared Peyton Manning and Ryan Leaf and Aaron Rodgers and the guy out of Utah whose leg almost got amputated. Adam Smith. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. But Chip, it's another blast today, man. Episode four. We wrap it up for the week tomorrow. Yeah. Let's do it, baby. Make sure you're setting an alarm in your phone for one o'clock. And then you just open up the Texas Sports Unfiltered app and hit play. We're here for you. Of course, you can also listen on uh, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Feel free to give us a five-star rating and uh, tell folks that you like us because We're tired of getting fired, folks. That's what we are. (laughs) Bye, God. We'll see you again tomorrow. Y'all be cool. Thanks for playing.